Why choose this green church? I came to TGC because I saw a place where I could grow spiritually and I also saw people who were interested in my well-being in general. They weren't actually trying to force this, um, but it kind of made me stay because I could see that it was genuine. Um, TGC make me feel like this is my home. Like I feel old. I feel like I've always wanted a place where I can showcase myself, where I can be discriminated, where I can express how I feel exactly and that is what PGV is all about. Everything we do is based on the word of God. We don't manipulate it to our own benefit. Like what things do and that is what we do. That's why I love you. There you have it. You have an impact Hallelujah. Amen. Rejoice. Luke 10. Luke 10. Luke 10. From verse 17 to 24. Luke 10. From verse 17 to 24. Glory to God. Luke 10. From verse 17 to 24. We start. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. 18 replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 19. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you you know this this, this is to be remembered always okay he says he has given you and i authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy look at that he says nothing will harm you nothing will am you. This is God speaking to you. Nothing will arm you. So you have got to, you know, put this promise of God, you know, um, in your memory at all times. What we teach, that he has said, nothing will by enemies arm you. Insist on it, okay? Over every issue, over every threat, insist on it. So imagine, you know, that in your area, there are, you know, robbers and stuff like that attacking everywhere. But the Bible says that nothing shall by enemies hurt you. So you, you insist on it that the Bible said nothing will harm me. So therefore, no evil will come near my house. So I'm, I'm secure. Okay? You have got to put the word, you know, in close memory and wage war. You know, wage war with the word. Okay? So nothing will harm you. Wherever you are, nothing will harm you. Verse 20. So he says, however, do not rejoice that the Spirit submits to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Look at that. He says, do not rejoice that the Spirit submits to you. He's saying that you can be happy, sure, but it's, it's not a big deal. So he's saying that they can, that they can handle devils. Not a big deal. They are tiny. They are small. You can you can drag them. You can always drag them. You get. So says don't 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 make it a biggie. 
They are small things. They are small beings. You know, they, they, they know they know rich. Okay, so um, don't 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 regret why it's, it's tiny. Okay, it's so tiny you can do it every time. Amen. But says regret, however, that your names are written in heaven. Twenty one. At that time, Jesus, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit, the Ecclesiastes says, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I praise you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, because you have eaten these things from the wife and the land, and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Now rejoice there is a gallio. Jesus rejoiced, he had gallio. He jumped high, it swelled. You know, this is not, not, not just not just um, emotional rejoicing. He jumped up, he, he circled, you know, jumped up again. You get he rejoiced. So Jesus Christ rejoiced, okay, saying that he rejoiced over the fact that our names are written in heaven. It meant something to Jesus so much that he rejoiced about it. I'll continue from there. So Jesus says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. Now, no one knows who the Father is except the, except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. 23. Then he disciples and separated to them. Look at this. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Look at that. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Glory to God. Glory to God. So we see that Jesus sent disciples. In twos, you know, as four runners, you know, to go ahead of him to places he will yet, he will yet visit. Okay? He sent them to display Jesus, kingdom adverts, to be examples of the markers of the Jesus life on earth, to display for them a pretext of what is to come. So he, he told them to go to everywhere where he would still go by himself. He said, go there, okay? And, you know, display kingdom markers. Then tell them, the kingdom of God is near. Tell them, that we are in the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead, to show you something. God's kingdom is near. And this is what God's kingdom looks like. Healing, restoration, deliverance, joy. This is what the kingdom is looks like. When I tell them in verse 9, if the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. We see also a similar event Matthew 10, 7 to 8. Matthew 10, 7 to 8. It says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of God has come near. Verse 8, if the sick Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. It means cure every skin disease. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. So we'll see, you know, again, I, I sent them ahead of him into places he will just go by himself. Now, the same way, he also sent us ahead of the second coming with the same mandate. 
You get that again. Again. He sent them two by two to every place where we get go. Okay? The same way he sent us also ahead of the second coming with the same mandate. Preach. Heal. Preach with power. With signs and wonders. Especially in the area of healing. Because signs and wonders are markers of the kingdom. So we all, as disciples of Jesus, we are sent with mandate. A mandate of signs and wonders. So, in our own case, in their case in the, in, in the Gospels, they were preaching a kingdom to come. Us, we are preaching a kingdom that has come. So it means that we ought to display the kingdom with much more miracles, with much more signs, with much more healings. They preached a kingdom to come and miracles were available. How much more we preaching the kingdom of a kingdom that has come. So if the advert, the trailer, you know, add action, add results, how much more the full movie? Do you understand? If the advert adds so much content, how much more the full movie itself? So we are the kingdom of God here on the earth. We are the kingdom of God here on the earth. So we ought to, you know, be the kingdom with results following. This is what Christ died and resulted for. That we may be part of a kingdom, okay? A kingdom marked by signs and wonders. Okay? So, I might suck at my assignments, but I cannot change the assignments. Again. I might suck at my assignment, but I am not at liberty to change it. One more time. I might suck at my assignment, but I am not at liberty to change it. This is a quote by Bill Johnson. Okay? I might suck at it too, but I am not allowed to change the assignment. So God has sent us to preach and heal. Okay? So, even though we might all be still learning how to do it right, but we cannot turn our eyes away from the assignment. So, it is okay to be learning the ropes and seek to get better at it, okay? We are not allowed to simply ignore or reject the assignment. So, it is a call to pursue and to keep pressing in. Amen. This is how we occupy till it comes. This is how we occupy till it comes. Preaching, signs and wonders, excellence, spiritual, in all the ends of our life. Okay? Not just, not just in church alone. To, to, to live in excellence, you know, and spiritual, in our areas of influence. On the jobs. Okay? As not society and families. You know, we are also live as a kingdom lifestyle. In preaching, in healing, and in getting results on the job. In your career, in, in, in the marketplace, in your families, okay? You know, to just live out the life of God everywhere. Christ so lacked and provided abundance. You know, so we are called to live out this life in every sphere of human endeavor. There has to be a marker of a new life in us. The new life in Christ in us has to have a marker. There has to be signs following the new life we have in Christ. You 
cannot have this new life that Christ died and rose up for and choose mediocre. Choose just stay there, you know, enjoying little dreams, small ambitions, just living out today, tomorrow, the next. You have got to put more respect on the new life in Christ that you of you. You have got to carry his new life with much more dignity and respect. Okay? This life has to matter for something. Not just here, but also in the world to come. You have to be in pursuit of big stuff. You have got to allow God to blow your mind with big dreams, with big ambitions, with big goals, with big vision. Okay? If you like the Christ that you have, you must count for something. If someone will feed nations, why not you, the believer? Why not you? If someone will provide a cure for, for diseases, why not you, you that can hear God? If someone will build the next big idea, why not you, called by the name of Jesus? If Christ has made for you God's power and wisdom, why, why, why not you? Why won't you, be the, why won't you be the one to create and make this stuff for our world? The life of Christ that he died and rose up to give us has to count for something more. Refuse mediocre. Okay? So also, this life of Christ, you know, compels us to live a life of love. Okay? It says in 1 John 4, 7 to 8, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So we are also called, you know, as people that carry this new life, that Christ died and rose up for, to live a life of love. You know, now that we are God's own, we have God's spirit. We have God's nature. And His nature is love. So, by nature, we ought to live a life of love. Okay? If you don't love people, how, how will you say that God's love dwells in you? If you join people to drag, drag this one, drag that one, cancel this one, cancel that one, you know, you know spread it, spread anger everywhere. How, how will you say God's love dwells in you? Okay, so we are caught with a higher quality of living. Why? Christ died and rose up. He gave us a brand new life. This life has got to show in how you treat others around you. In how you know you serve, how you serve at work, how you serve your clients, your colleagues, your boss, you know, the employers. It has got to show the life of God in you has to have results. Glory to God. Glory to God. Okay, that's very important. Okay, so one way we show God's love is in showing God's healing power to those in need. I believe strongly that God's love cannot be fully expressed without God's power. God's love cannot be fully expressed without power. Real love in the kingdom is expressed with power, not just in words alone. Power to heal, to deliver, to set free. Power to create solutions, okay? So your love has got to be expressed not just in words alone. There has to be a power back into your love. Your love has got to have results. Love is not just a thing for the sick. There are the solutions, okay? You have to carry a burden 
for solutions, okay? That is how you show God's love to the world around you. Amen. Not just sorry. God bless you. You know, go with your sickness. Go with your with your with your need. No. God's love in us has got to have direct results, you know, in how we create solutions for the world around us. So we as a church, we are called to solve problems. For the sick, we bring the, the healing solution. For the poor, we bring, you know, we, we bring power to get wealth. And we also, you know, we provide welfare for the poor. Do you understand? You know, for, for, for those that, 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 that need encouragement, we bring to them hope, encouragement with, 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 with prophecy, with, with, with revelation knowledge, okay? We are just called to solve problems. Solve problems. As work as play, the life of God in you has got to count for something. Okay? The life of God in you has got to count for something. He has made us kings and priests on the earth. And we shall reign on the earth. You are called to reign. The life of God in you has called you to leadership. You are a leader by design. Okay? You are a leader by design. You are royalty. Say the first Peter says, we are a royal priesthood. Come on. You are a holy nation. You are different. You are unique. There is something more about you. You are not a mere man. So you, you have got to be thinking differently. The death of Christ made something happen to you. You have got to be thinking differently. Are you getting it? You have got to be seeing things differently. Where men cry, there is no hope. There is killing of God. You have got to see differently. The life of God in you has got to have a difference in how you see life. Christ did not die in vain. He died to give you a quality of life. You have got to pursue. You have got to desire this life. Do not go about crying everywhere. Small dreams. Small ambitions. No. There is something about human in Christ. That is so that, that is so awesome. You know, that, that should drive us to, to to do big things. Do you understand? You have the Holy Ghost living inside of you. That has got to count for something. You have got his gift inside of you. That, that has got to count for something more than just mere living. Glory to God. Christ died for something. He died and rose to create a new class of men. You are part of this new class. Men 2.0. There is something different about you. There is something about you. You are a new man in Christ. You have got new faculties. You see beyond the mere man. You hear beyond the mere man. You are strengthened beyond the mere man. This has got to count for something. Let Christ prepare generation. Let it push you to big dreams. Let the life of God in you push you to big things. What will you do with the life of God at work in you? What will you create? How many things will you get healed? How many dead will you raise? What will the life of God count for in your lifetime? What will the life of God in you count for in your lifetime? You have got to have big dreams. You have got to have big goals. You have got to have big ambitions. Yeah, ask something more driving you. Something I'm bored. I'm, no, no, no. Get something doing. Man, create a solution. Stop, stop being bored and idle. Come on. There's much more to you. You are royalty. Ah, 
You are royalty. You are royalty. The life of God lives in you. That has got to count for something more. Do you understand? You get that. Okay? So we see this. Now Jesus Christ rejoiced and he told them, Rejoice because your names are written in the book of life. That, that counts for something. You know, when the demon told them, Paul I know, Peter I know, who are you? They know you. Why? Your own name is also written in the book of life. So devils know you. The stones they know you. The winds they know you. The viruses, they know your name. They know you. So you have got with authority. Christ died for something. Glory to God. Thieves know you. Storms know you. Issues know you. So you have got to be able to decree, you know, to wield the authority that Christ purchased for you. You have got to use it. Stop, you know, downplaying what you carry. Stop playing down on what's life in you. Someone said, you're a Ferrari. Stop, 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 stop like, like, like a bitch. You are a Ferrari. Stop driving like a bitch. <laughs> you are a, a Ferrari. Stop going about like a bitch. Again, you are a Ferrari. Stop going about like a bitch. Come on, You are a Ferrari. Stop going about everywhere like Bitsu. Folks are the old one. There's something more about you. Okay? Desire more. Desire more. Purchase magazine. Go after more. Go after more. Pursue more. On your job, pursue more. Don't have small dreams. It helps nobody. You don't need God for small dreams. Every Tom, Dick, and Johnson can pursue small dreams. Christ not die for small dreams. Every baby, Bero, uh, you know, can go for small dreams. There is something more about you. Let the life of God in you matter for something. Glory to God. You are a Ferrari. Stop going about like those old Volkswagen Beetle. Rise. Pursue something more. Glory to God. See, this life that Christ purchased was so important that even Christ himself rejoiced, he rejoiced over it. He jumped up and danced like, Glory! You know, Christ rejoiced over the life you have now. Even Abraham, in John 86, Christ speaking, says, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. So Abraham does so by prophecy. He saw what is to come. And Abraham rejoiced. Come on. Abraham saw the life we have in Christ. And Abraham rejoiced. Abraham rejoiced. Abraham rejoiced. Abraham rejoiced. Abraham, re- Abraham jumped up. He rejoiced to see your day. Kai Katara. He rejoiced. Glory. There is something about the new man in Christ that, that is cause for rejoicing. There is something about the new man in Christ that is rejoicing what you. It should count for more in your life. Okay? Abraham saw ahead. He had a little glimpse of what will happen. That something is happening through Jesus and rejoice about it. That thing rejoice about is, is you. 
is Christ in you, your hope of glory. That Christ will die and you know and come instead of by his Holy Ghost. That will live in you forever. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is what he rejoiced about. Glory to God. So we see also, we see Paul. Paul will tell in, in, in letters to the Colossians, to the, to the Ephesians, to the Philippians, to the, to the Corinthians, that the same, the same thing is, you know, like, thank God because they are saved. You know, thank God because they are saved. He was saying that they might, they might have issues right now, but they have Christ, Kaya. There's something more about them. Let's start in Ephesians 1, 15 to 16. Ephesians 1, 15 to 16. Colossians 1, 3 to 4. Ephesians 1, 15 to 16. Colossians 1, 3 to 4. There's something about the believer <laughs> that is thanksgiving worthy, that is rejoicing worthy. You should think about your life and rejoice. That higher Christ lives in me. Glory! Do you know my point here? You should think about this and rejoice on your own. Glory to God. He lives in me forever. Glory! I'm empowered. Glory to God. Whoosh! Whoosh! Christ in you. Your glory now. Ephesians 1, 15 to 16. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all God, since I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He said that because you are saved, Kaya, since I have not stopped thanking God for you. Ah, that you heard the gospel and believed. Glory! I have not stopped giving thanks for you. There is something about the believer that is thanksgiving body. Glory to God. Glory to God. Go to Colossians 1, 3 to 4. Colossians 1, 3 to 4. Colossians 1, 3 to 4. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. We always thank God. Why? Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people. So, because you are saved, we thank God. So, Paul to told everyone everywhere that no, when, whenever he saw people got saved, there was rejoicing. There was rejoicing. Why? There's something about the man in Christ. There's something unique, something awesome about the man in Christ. He's no longer a mere man. Glory. He's no longer a mere man. Something has changed in him. This is God to, to drive you, to make you live in a perpetual state of rejoicing. Make you live in a, in a permanent state of joy that Christ lives in me. Glory. And I'm a new man in Christ. I'm a new man. In, I'm man 2.0. I'm a new creation. I'm no ordinary person. So people say things like, like the masses. Masses said, masses said, come on. I am no masses. Christ lives in me. I'm a new class of man. Glory. I'm a new class. I'm a royal. I'm royalty. I'm a holy nation, a real person, a peculiar people. Glory. So I am no ordinary fellow. I am no massive. Christ died. He rose. He gave me a brand new life. So I am no ordinary fellow. Do you understand? Do you understand? There's something about the man in Christ. We will begin to see clearly and understand the man in Christ. We begin to unleash unusual power and ability. And capacity upon our world. We have got to see it. 
If I Paul would always pray and pray for you, Kaya, that you may know, that you may know, that you may know him better, that you may, that you may know the hope he has called you, that you may know the riches of, his, of the greatness that he has put in us, his only one, that you may know, that if you know it, you unlock it, Kaya, that if you know it, you unlock it, that if you know the power has worked in you, you unlock something. And if you know what God has done and put in you, you unlock something. You unlock something. You unlock something. We have got to pray more. To study more. So we can unlock the capacity of man in Christ. So we can unlock the things in our inside. Okay? We have got to pray more. To study more. So that we can unlock the powers at work in us. The more we know, the more we unlock. The more we know, the more we unlock the power at work in us. The more we know, the more we unlock. The more we know, the more we unlock the power of talking. So we have got to know that we are a new class of men. There is something different about the man in Christ. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We see also Peter say the same thing. In first Peter 3, first Peter 1 to 9. First Peter 1 3 to 9. First Peter 1 3 to 9. He says, Praise be to the God and Father. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He gave us, look at that, a new hope, a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4 And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until come to come to salvation that is revealed in the last time. Verse 6. Faith, verse 6, verse 6, verse 6, verse 6. Look at that. In all this, you greatly rejoiced. Verse 6. In all this, you greatly rejoiced. Though now, for a little while, you may have asked of our grief in all kinds of trials. Says, Don't for now. For a little while, you may have had of our grief in all kinds of trials. Look at this. Seven. These have come so that the proven genesis of the faith of greater worth than gold perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor. When Christ is revealed, since though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Look at that. For you are receiving in the end, in the end, you are receiving the end of your faith, salvation of your souls. Now, second on, on verse 8. Since though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and what you are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Glory. So even in the midst of tough times, that Christ lives in you, fills you with inexpressible and glorious joy. You are filled with inexpressible, glorious joy, joy unspeakable, full of glory. Kaya, that joy unspeakable, full even in challenges. Joy of the table, full of glory. Why? I'm a human in Christ. Ah, I have hope in Christ. I have hope. My, my tomorrow is bright. 
Heaven is sure for me. Oh, Christ lives in me bodily. Christ lives in me. Give my point here. So, this has got to drive your life with joy. Amen. Christ lives in you. You have hope here and in heaven. You understand? You have a sure hope. Your faith is proven genuine. You have a sure hope. Your faith is of greater worth than gold that perishes. See, what you have is something more than gold. Your faith in Jesus is something more than gold. Money cannot buy what you have. Glory. Well, say something more than gold. Something more than gold. The spirit of the Lord in the life of a man is something more than gold. See, the life of God in you is what much more than gold. So, celebrate it. Celebrate it. Christ died to give you a high quality life. The life of God. Glory. This should drive you with inexpressible and glorious joy. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, for me ask, how do we actually know that Christ died and rose up again? Good question. How do we know that he died and rose up? Put First Corinthians 15, 1 to 8. First Corinthians 15, 1 to 8. First Corinthians 15, from verse 1 to 8. Are we there? First Corinthians now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Verse 2. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firm to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Verse 3. For what I received, I have passed on to you as of short importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to five hundred of brothers at the same time. Look at that. That's this. After that, he appeared to five hundred of brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. Those some are fully asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as the one abnormally born. Look at that. So he's saying that this is the gospel we have preached to you. Okay? That Christ died for you. Okay? He was buried and rose up on the third day, according to the scriptures. He appeared to Peter, to the twelve. And the five hundred people at the same time. So Christ came into a meeting that asked five hundred people at the same time. And when Paul wrote this letter, many of those who we saw in five hundred were still living, even though some had among them died. Okay. So number one, how do we know that Christ rose from the dead? Number one, please follow me. Number one, the empty tomb. The empty tomb. The empty tomb. The empty tomb. Now, number one, women first saw the empty tomb. It was Mary, you know, 
that first saw the empty tomb. Now, normally, right, um, in that culture, in that age, if you want to tell a lie, you want to believe the lie, okay, you don't even want to tell the lie. Why? People don't, they don't, in that age, they didn't really count what the woman as valuable. Exactly, exactly so. They, they never rated a woman's word in those days. So, if you want to tell a lie about something, you will not use a woman to lie. Okay? But God so added, okay, that he, he first appeared you know, to a woman. You see that? It was Mary and Co. that first saw Jesus. Go to John 20. John 21 to 18. John 21 to 18. Please follow me carefully, okay? John 21 to 18. Are we there? John 21 to 18. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Whoosh. John 21 to 18. Amen. So, early on the first day of the week, what was it dark? Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came around to Simon Peter as well as the that the one that Jesus loved and said to him, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Verse 3. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tombs. Both were running, but the other one had trapped Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the stripes of linen lying there, but not going. Then some Peter came along, along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the clothes that had been wrapped around just edge. The clothes were still lying in his, in his place, separate from, separate from the light from the linen. Verse 8. Finally, the disciple, whom had read tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. Verse 9. They still did not understand the scripture that Jesus Christ had to rise from the dead. The disciples went back to where they were staying. Please follow me. Verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white. They were seated where Jesus Christ's body had been, one at the edge and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. Verse 14. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Verse 15. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Now, Thinking it was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you're hiding away, tell me where you have put him and, and I'll go and get him. 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around and, and cried to her in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Look at that. 17. Jesus said to her, Not hold me, for I'm yet to ascend to, my, to the Father. Go instead and tell my brothers and tell them, and tell them I am ascend my Father and your Father to my God. And your God. Mary went to disciples and believers and told them, I have seen the Lord. And he told them that he has said these things to her. That is my point. God, Jesus Christ used Mary as first witness. Now, in those days, if you want to tell a lie, it has made more sense to use a man to tell a lie. People can believe the lie. Okay? People might not count a man's words seriously. Okay? But, but using, using a woman, okay? He made it such that, um, I'll have to take it. Isn't a woman to, to, to say the truth, to say that kind, of, that kind of testimony? You know, it was more 
it was not um, probable, you know, to be a truth and to be a lie. Why? If you want to form a lie, you will use a man to say the lie. So people can believe the lie. Follow me, please. Secondly, now, the disciples went about and preached, you know, in that same city that Christ rose from the dead. They went and preached in that same city that Christ rose from the dead. Now, if if they lying, they could have come to church the tomb. Amen. The Jews, the, 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 the Jewish leaders, the people there, they could have gone to check the tomb to know if it was a lie. So for them to preach, preach in that Jerusalem that Christ had risen, you know, it was much, it made more sense to that, okay, they were, they were trying to say the truth. Number three, the opposing Jews, you know, they did not refute the empty tomb. They did not refute the empty tomb. But instead they said, you know, that the, the, the disciples stole the body. Why? The tomb was surely empty. Okay, so they have to find a story about the empty tomb. What did they say? They said, you know, that the disciples had stolen the body. Again, so the, the tomb was surely, you know, empty. No one can refute that claim. Awesome. So again, is it possible that the disciples have stolen the body? How? Remember that also, that um, the, 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 the Jewish leaders, they knew that Christ said he rest from the dead. So they put soldiers on the, on the tomb side to be sure that no one will be able to come and steal the body. Okay? Go to Matthew 27. Go to Matthew 27. From 62 to 66. Matthew 27. Okay? Glory to God. Are we there? Amen. From verse 66. Amen. He says, The next day, the one of preparation day, the chief priest and the Pharisees Pilate, Sir, they said, Remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, After three days, I will rise again. 64. So, give orders. 64. Give orders for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, the disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last session will be worse than the first. 65. Take a guard, Pilate said. Go make the tomb as secure as you know. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Look at that. Now, go to verse 28. 28. 28. Amen. For verse 11 of Matthew 28 from verse 11. While the women went their way, some of the guards went to the city. You know, this, this was after, you know, Gideon came, rolled the stone, you know, um, made, made, the, made the guards like dead men. Okay, guards. Not just one guard. They put guards there, okay? But, but they just came in, verse 1 of 28, you know, 
um, wrote, wrote, wrote of the stone, you know, the light was so bright that the, 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 the angels, the gas angels, you know, they fell dead as dead men, okay? So, while they were on their way, so they got into the city and told the chief that that happened, you know, the chief is now made them, they, they planned a lie. They told everyone, okay, they asked you, tell them, you know, that the disciples came during the night and stole away his body. So we see that, you know, they could not refute the empty tomb. So they, they cutted a lie, saying that the, the disciples came at night and stole the body. Amen. So we see that the tomb was surely empty. And they put God there beforehand. You know, so there was no way the disciples would have come and stolen the body because they put God there. So we know for sure also, okay, that the tomb was empty. Awesome. We saw that Christ appeared to, to, to Mary, to Peter, to James, you know, to the twelve, and suffering people. Now, could they be lying? Is that possible? That they all, you know, they all lied, and they died for this lie. So some people say they're not lying, but they're all, they're all, they're all, they're all hallucinating. Now, this is, my, this is the question. Can suffering people hallucinate together? Can suffering people that are all hallucinating? Now, beyond that also, they, they didn't just say this point. They said they, they ate with him. You know, so it's, it's beyond just what you can, what you can hallucinate. They ate with him. He ate normal food. Okay, so all these things show us, okay, that Christ actually died, was buried, and also rose back to life. Okay, much more because these people all, you know, ten of the of the of the, of the disciples, they all of the apostles, they all died for this claim. Okay, so they had no reason, you know, to form a lie that would kill them. You understand? How much more Paul also? Paul saw Christ, and his life changed forever. Paul had no, it was better for Paul to continue his life of, of world and affluence as being a Jew. Okay, but he saw something. Okay, he saw the living Christ. And his life changed forever. Okay, so we have claims, you know, why we can believe for sure that Christ did rise from the dead. It's not just ordinary mind. It's not just ordinary, ordinary fables, okay? This actually really happened. Also, so we must tell ourselves, we must begin to see this as it actually happened. It, it, it's not just an, not just, not just a regular story, you know, a fiction, okay? This happened. Christ rose from the dead. And if it's true, this also affects how we live our everyday lives. Amen. So what does this mean to you? That Christ died means that, you know, his death, burial, and resurrection was put to our account. So, he, you know, when he died, I died also. I was buried and I, I rose up to a brand new life. Okay? Because he died for me. He did all this for me. So, in, in him doing it, it's as though I also did so. He died so that I also died to sin. So, I died to sin, I was buried, and woke up to a brand new life. I died a mere man. I woke a new creation, a new class of men. Look at that. I died a mere man. I woke a new creation, a new class of men. If any man be in Christ, is a what? Is a new creation. All things have passed away, beyond all things have become new. Okay, so his death and prayer and resurrection gave unto us as believers a brand new life. And in this life, sin has no power over you. You can refuse sin. 
you have a new life. This new life is superior to sin. Okay? This life in you is superior to sin. You have a brand new life superior to sin. Also, this life also has power over, over sicknesses. You can reign over sicknesses. Why is this chapter 24? It says, by his stripes you were healed. The life of God in you is superior to sicknesses. Are you following me? Also, his burial and resurrection did for us this. Defeated death. Defeated death. The unsaved may fear death. But for we the saved, you know, we don't fear death. Death is defeated. Okay? Why? For us, death means we, we, we leave the body, the physical body, and pass on to eternity. And we live with God forever. For us, death is not it's, it's not 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 not, not to mourn about. Okay, we don't we don't when 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 a believer dies, we don't we don't we not mourn as as unbelievers. For us, we pass on to a better life. Of course, we should all live long so we so can fulfill the gospel of our life. Okay, but beyond that, okay, when a believer, when a believer dies, we go to be with Christ forever. So for us, death is not what we are afraid of. We are going to be with our lover forever. Glory to God. Okay. Awesome. So we know, we know that you know because the river lives forever, we will see our loved ones again. As long as they are saved, you know, and believers, we will see them again. So even when they die, okay, we will see our loved ones again. You will see the loved ones that died. You will see them again. Glory to God. So we don't, you know, even when people die as believers, we don't mourn, we don't, we, we don't over mourn, okay? We, we know that we will yet see our loved ones again. As long as they believe in Christ, we will see them again. Not in this world of, of you know, of imperfection, of pains, of issues, okay? We will see them and we will be in a brand new city where there is no weeping, no mourning, no crime, no issues, Okay? And, um, and then in heaven, okay, would have brand new bodies. You know, we have bodies that are incorruptible, that cannot fall sick, that cannot perish. Okay? Glory to God. So this should leave us with celebration that Christ died for this. We should go back and always reflect on what Christ did for us. What is death, burial, and resurrection means for us as believers. That one day, when that trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ will rise up first with their new bodies. Amen. And we also will meet with death in the air and would have brand new bodies and will be with the Lord forever. So, we as believers, we have hope even beyond this world. This world is not for us the end. It is for us an assignment to extend God's kingdom to others. So, we are here on purpose. This is not our real home, okay? Our being here is a purpose, is, is an assignment, is a project. Glory to God. Okay? So, we should live knowing that this is not everything. There is more to come. This world, I find out we live here, it is temporary, okay? Our real home is the home to come, where we will be with God forever, with brand new bodies.
in a better world of no viruses, no weeping, no crying. So, if you have ever loved a loved one, yes, you might hurt once in a while, but remember, you will see your loved one again. You will see your dad again. You will see your mom again. You will see that friend, that colleague, that sibling. This is the hope of the believer. That Christ died and rose up so that we all, we all too, will rise and live forever. So this is not the end. This is not the end. Okay? So, you don't live in fear of death. Yes, we live long by faith. Yes. Okay? But even when it's time to go, we are going to be with our lover forever. So this morning, let this thought drive you. Let 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 death and resurrection of Jesus mean much more to you than just a story. Let it drive the way you think, the way you live your life, the way you value, value your priorities, the way you walk, the way you play. Let this thing drive your life forever. Peter saw the in Christ, and his life changed forever. So did Paul. So did James. Let this change your life forever. That yes, Christ is alive and he lives forever, never to die again. Remember that one day also you meet with Christ in the air, okay? Never to die again. You will live forever. Glory to God. And on that day, in that new world, after that job, you will make everything new. No more sorrows, no more pains, no more issues. He himself will make all things new. Hallelujah. Hey, hope you were blessed by the sermon. Feel free to visit our website www.thisgreenchurch.org for more info. God bless you.